welcome to this next episode where we're going to talk about tying horses. How to tie a horse? Well, we've got several options there. You know, it depends on your setup, where you can tie a horse to. Um, and then, of course, you've got how. So, you know, are we on a cross tie? Are we single tying? Uh, then we've got the option of, is there already a rope there, which you can just literally unclip the rope that you've already got in your horse and attach the new rope that's secured? Or are you tying the horse but using a two-byte knot or a three-byte knot or a 16-byte knot? Okay. I mention the knots because, um, yeah, well, I see people that, with good intentions, they tie horses um, on what appears to be a quick-release knot with, you know, maybe a, some form of pony knot of which the excess rope is then secured using a daisy chain. And a daisy chain is when you keep looping the rope through itself so it looks all nice and tidy and and indeed if you pull on the end of that it will all come undone eventually but the problem with that is if you're using a a pony knot that's not quick release and um yeah it's got the bites are in a bit of a different place to perhaps uh what a quick release knot really does um when the horse pulls down on that, it's actually going to get tighter and make it harder for it to come undone. But at the same time, um, by the time you've pulled on all of that rope, the horse has probably um, hurt itself, snapped the rope that it was attached to, or the snap, or flipped over backwards and stuff like that. So we must really learn about um, what not to use. So I always say what not to know. Um, I really love and prefer the bank robber's knot. Bank robber knot is a quick release knot where it's not um, secured entirely to whatever it is you are tying the horse to in the sense that when you do pull on it for the quick release, the rope comes completely free from whatever it is you're tying the horse to. It's a fantastic knot. I have a really nice video about that in my online training platform and it's you know it's just a handy handy knot you can tie to rings you can tie to bars um you can tie to the side of the horse trailer the horse box whatever you want using this knot and in one swift pull that rope can come undone most of the time, though, I have to say I wrap my horses. So that means um, that I wrap the rope just enough so that if they were to pull back, they can. Um, and then I always use a rope that is, you know, at least nine foot long. Most of the time, 12 foot long. So if the horse ever pulled back, they're probably going to pull back and they'll never get to the end of that rope because the flight line, often from horses, especially in a pullback situation, is not often longer than the length of their own body. It's only when they feel trapped and or chased they might go on longer. So how to tie horses is, is a big one. And um, a lot of people have their habits, how they do things every day. 
and are not interested in changing that because it works for them until it goes wrong. I could count on 15 hands how many times people have come up to me after it's gone wrong. After, you know. I've seen in the last 10 years two horses pull back so hard that they flipped over backwards and smacked their heads on the concrete of which killed one of them. Didn't kill it immediately either. It was a couple of months later of probably torturous headaches, an unknown fractured skull and internal bleeding. It does happen and that's why I love to share this information. Even if you don't want to hear it, things happen, things go on. So learning how to tie our horses and this subject I have to say hi to somebody hi Ilsa thank you so much because this was actually a recommended topic by one of my uh, dedicated students and she's also a big fan of this podcast so thank you Ilsa really nice what else can we talk about with regards to tying horses so let's talk about what's happening while the horse is tied Right, so what am I looking for? I'm I'm looking for a horse that can stand there, relaxed, even cock its leg if it wants to and fall asleep if it wants to. It can look around, even a place where it can be fed, you know, it's hard feed and stuff like that. But not pulling on its rope. When they pull on their rope, especially if it's secured tight, this starts to become their reference of your lightness. So if you've got a horse that is strong, I generally call these kind of horses brick wall horses, so if you walk up to them, they kind of brace their bodies into you and are not getting out of the way. Learning how to tie them and ask them to stand relaxed and not pull on that rope is one of a 100 secrets how to soften that horse up. You know, you must have met the brick wall horse. My horses live in groups, social groups, and the horses they live with are not mine. And we have variations of breeds. It's wonderful, every kind of breed. And my Lenny, he lives with all boys. Um, and let's say two that I can think of right now are what I class as brick wall horse. So that means if you walk up to them, they actually walk straight up into your space with actually no hesitation and if you politely ask them to move out of your way please they will lean into you more and you can even swing your lead rope at them and ask them to move whether it's close range or a little bit further range so you can project a little bit of energy at them they don't move as a matter of fact they stiffen their bodies up as if to say "Uh -uh, I ain't moving for you I call these types the brick wall horses, and this is a man-made thing. And here's the beauty of it. It can be unlearned. There's absolutely no reason for horses to have this, um, yeah, for the lack of better words, this way of being in its life. All right, and it doesn't necessarily mean the horse is super confident either, honestly, because one of those two you bring him out of the paddock, he's like a big sissy, you know, afraid of its own shadow. 
Um, but in the paddock, it's it's just learned that, you know, I'm not getting out of your way. And then when it's brought over to be groomed or whatever, it's put in a, a cross tie and is standing there leaning on the cross ties with the halter pushing against its own um, cheek and eyes, depending on whether it's pulling backwards or forwards, and is pouring at the ground because it just has no understanding of how to stand still and relax and is just constantly training itself against the pressure of these knots, which are not quick-release knots, and are just asking for trouble one day. Where to tie horses? Let's talk a little bit more about some of my experiences. I've seen horses tied to benches. Had a scare, dragged the bench. Now we've got a complete train wreck on our hands. I've seen horses tied to picnic tables. Horse got a scare, has now got a picnic table dragging behind it. You know, don't do it. We must always tie the horse to to the strongest point or to the point that is designed for the horse to be tied to. You know, must remember that constantly. It's like a cowboy's rule. You know, if you find a gate open, leave it open. If you find a gate closed, leave it closed. If you think it should be open but it's closed or you think it's closed but it should be open, communicate, ask. Don't leave things to chance, especially when it comes to animals because, you know, at the end of the day, it's the animal that suffers from our mistakes. Now, we can't all be perfect. It, it can't be perfect. But everything I like to suggest just simply becomes a learning moment. You learn how to not do that again or learn how to improve that. And then, you know, the subject of tying horses, in the end, it's not really even about that subject. You know, it, it, it's about everything that we do, every interaction that we make with horses leads to something. You know, and uh, where one subject is neglected, it could start to influence another. If we're proactive in our training plan and, um, you know, monitor what our horses need to learn in terms of general skills, everyday life skills, and we was to be really honest about that, can we check the whole list? Probably not. It doesn't matter how old they are. It's never too late to begin. If you don't know how to apply things, even, I don't know, spraying your horse with fly spray does it have a heart attack when you do that well you can train them not to have a heart attack when you do that everything is possible but the way i train horses is to introduce things pepper it in during my training and get it to the point where i win the horse's confidence through relationship and bonding building and then over time the horse doesn't think twice about it anymore because it's just, you know, it's not going away. It's still there. It's going to be in- introduced. But because I do it in such a way that it's not, it doesn't have to be done in that day, it's done over time, I win the horse's confidence. And before you know it, they don't care about it anymore. They just they just do it. Because oftentimes, because we're human, and we're, you know, we're very, we're direct line thinkers. We're also very materialistic. These are two things the horse is not so not a direct line thinker and they really don't care for materialistic things besides 
what your human mind might think. It can feel like materialist, materialistically, the only thing they really want from you is their food. All right, so be careful to not link that into other materialistic things. That's a survival thing. That's a necessity. Okay, so again, just simply going back to horses, general skills, their care regime and stuff like that. If you don't know, please communicate. Reach out to myself and my team. Reach out to people that are successful with horses or, you know, genuinely want to help you because they're all there. You just have to put it out there in the hemisphere and ask. And this is all in the benefit and a better life for our horses. And if you, um, you know, perhaps have a friend who is struggling, but they don't know they're struggling, one of the biggest tips I can give you is to not go up to them and start to say, hey, you're doing this wrong and hey, you're doing that wrong and you need to do it like this and you need to do it like that. This is, trust me, from a teacher perspective, this is one of the worst things you can do. You can completely send somebody into an unlearning modus. That means they don't learn anymore. They just literally feel offended or scared or upset. You put them in defense. You know, so the the best way we can go about um, helping people who are struggling or they don't know they're struggling is to offer them guidance. Say, hey, you know what? Um, I used to do it that way, but I do it like this now. It's much better. Or, you know, I know somebody who could help you uh, if with that if you think you're struggling. The, the secret is to just not throw it in their face um pointing out the complete obvious that you know they're struggling they know they're struggling or they don't know they're struggling and now they do know they're struggling because you, you know we, what we want to do is we want to nurture the person into finding new ways and new resolutions so there's times when i will be a voice for the horse you know um i wrote a song about the sports you know you can hear that in um a few podcasts back, The Heartless Equestrian. Um, I don't really go to the sports and watch, but I tell you now, if I saw a roller cur in the warm-up ring or saw horses with spur marks and they're covered up by either plasters or a stupid band around their belly, I'm going to scream and shout. I'm going to shout at them so hard that it's embarrassing for them and I'm going to film myself while I do it. Once I've been kicked off the premises, then I'm going to post that shit online because somebody has to be the voice for the horse. That is absolute extreme place and point in time that I would go to that uh, point of, you know, what I was just talking about. These people are not struggling, actually. They're very aware of what they're doing, um, but they need telling. But when it comes to, you know, just our local friends or people we see every day at the stables. We, we it, it, you know, you can't do that unless you're at a sports and competition barn where people are competing in uh, the higher levels and you're not agreeing with some of the ways they're training. 
then indeed you could say something or not. And then you have to think about your own circumstances, how that's going to be perceived and what your future holds for you in that scenario. Are you going to leave or are you going to stay and put up with it? You know, lots to think about. Anyhow, going back to the tying horses, find yourself a nice knot that when you pull on it, it comes completely free. And I recommend to get good at that knot, practice it at home with a piece of string or whatever, do what you got to do to get good at it, and you use that knot on everything that you tie your horse to. I ba- I recommend the bank robber's knot, also known as the highwayman's hitch, okay? And you're doing this in your horse's best interest. You can find a really nice video about the bank robber's knot in my online training platform, where I show you also in slow-mo how to do that and also how to tie it to different points. You know, I show you how to tie it to a ring, how to tie it to a fence and how to tie it to a rail. So that's all I've got to say about this subject today. The podcast is heading into 18 minutes, so I shall leave it there anyway. Any questions, you know where to find me. Please follow me on social media at Get Good With Horses. And I really hope you're have, having a lovely day or evening wherever you are. You have been listening to Zoe's Horse Bites podcast. Powered by Get Good With Horses courses and online training academy by Zoe Code.